Welcome to Digfin Vox, the podcast brought to you by Digital Finance Media. Digfin is a new online media platform covering the people and organizations using technology to transform financial services. If you want hype and Me Too thematic content, stay in your hermetically sealed LinkedIn echo chambers. But if you want news about real people doing actual things in fintech, then settle back in your chair and listen. And then go online to www.digitalfinancemedia.com. The articles are free, but you have to register. My name is Dave Zweifler, and I'm coming to you from the heart of fintech on the mean streets of the Bronx in New York City. I'm going to be speaking with James DiBiazio, gourmand, adventurer, and the editor of Digital Finance Media about his story on Hong Kong Exchange's ambition to launch a new board that's all about early stage tech and fintech and the curious response from the securities regulator when James asked them what they thought of this. James, you just filed a story about HKX, which had a bunch of things going on, a new board or maybe two new boards, a question about whether it's a crowdfunding site and a blockchain initiative. What's going on and what's the most important thing to focus on? Thanks, Dave. Uh the most important thing is the fact that they do want to launch a new board, and there's a lot of politics around that. But ultimately, I think most people view that as a positive uh, in the marketplace uh, because the old board, uh, because of the politics in Hong Kong and the, the law, really, uh, the, the old board is unable to cater to technology companies that want to retain a lot more power for their visionary founders or for their boards of directors. So in the United States, companies like Facebook uh, help pioneer or, or, I guess, take advantage of uh, dual class share governance structures in which you don't have uh, every vote does not have the same voting power. Some, some shares don't have a vote, uh, whereas the, the controlling interests uh, ensure that they do have a vote. And in the United States, this has worked uh, to an extent because you've got a, a legal system that can root out uh, or, or take to task uh, boards that uh, are seen as abusing minority shareholder rights. You have a lot of, of uh, shareholder groups um, and, and these other, I guess, civic structures around making sure these guys um, continue to represent the, the company and the shareholders in the best interests. Uh, we've seen some, arguably, some some abuse of that. I mean, there are examples like Snap, which have recently come out, which are from a corporate from a corporate governance perspective are ridiculous. But you know, there are ways for the marketplace to to handle those those situations. In Hong Kong, we have a a legal situation which is different, which has not until now allowed for the main board or its subsidiary called the Growth Enterprise Market Gem but they're both part of Hong Kong exchanges. Uh, they have not been able to engage in these different kinds of governance structures. And as a result, Alibaba in 2014, when it went IPO, its preference is to listen to Hong Kong, but it wanted to have the same kind of uh, controls for Jack Ma and the other members of his board. And so they went to the New York Stock Exchange where they did a 25 billion IPO. And there's a lot of people in Hong Kong who would really like to get back on the, the bandwagon with these technology companies. And there's a lot of fintech companies in China that are in the IPO queue. And the Hong Kong and exchanges is very keen to try to find a way to attract these new companies. 
it seems like the loss of the Alibaba IPO was kind of like a referendum on the GEM. Is that right? It, you know, like they kind of missed the boat on, on a, it wasn't, on a, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't about the, the GEM per se. It was really about the main board because uh, the GEM gem is, is really for smaller companies. Alibaba's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a referendum on what kind of structure around governance can be tolerated, particularly if you want to have technology companies uh, being listed and attracting lots of investors and lots of liquidity. And the reason that <clears throat> that they can't do it in Hong Kong is because there's the, uh, the, the legislation here that guides capital markets is called the Securities and Futures Ordinance, which has been written a long time ago, and it requires uh, one vote, one share. You could argue, well, why don't we change it? which is what the Hong Kong exchanges and clearing tried to do the first time around with Alibaba. But there was a lot of resistance to that. Uh, there is an argument that says one vote, one share is more equitable to minority shareholders. Uh, and this is the way that the Securities and Futures Commission, which is the regulator for, for the securities and capital markets in Hong Kong, that's eventually the way they went. Um, and they, they insisted on that principle, at least as it applies to the main board. The other voices that were opposed to this are a lot of small brokers, which dominate a lot of the uh, the day trading on the Hong Kong exchange. Um, <clears throat> they're also opposed to some of these measures because they feel it's going to squeeze them out. And so there's a, there is beneath the surface a lot of uh, – there, there was some political opposition to uh, giving Hong Kong exchanges the flexibility to change some of its rules. So the new board – instead of trying to change rules that would require them going to the legislative council and going through the whole process of changing the law, they'd rather just create a new board, um, which would be set up to begin with, with a looser set of strictures and would be designed specifically for technology and for FinTech. Right. Now, it's also, am I right that it's, they're looking to attract earlier stage companies as well? This is a point of confusion, I guess, or rather there's different stories about what's going on. So I've spoken with people who are who are aware of what's being discussed at Hong Kong exchanges. There is a desire to create perhaps either a fourth board or some venue within the new board that allows for attracting smaller companies, more agile fintech type companies uh, and and get them to list in Hong Kong. Officially, what the, the spokespeople at Hong Kong Exchange Clearing say is that there's no, there's no formal plan to propose a fourth board. Uh, what they are talking about is perhaps having a tier system within the new board. So you can – I don't know how, to what extent this is semantics or if, it, if, if it's a big deal structurally. But essentially, they're talking about there could be a tier so that certain early-type companies could be listed – and they would have restrictions in terms of who could access them. So these would be open only to professional investors uh, because of the, the nature of the risks, um, the, the lack perhaps of disclosure uh, around or because these companies might not have the sort of track records that you'd expect to have on a, an established uh, stock exchange. Therefore, it would be limited to the kinds of investors that could access them. So whether it's a fourth board in a formal sense or simply they create sort of a certain category in within the, the structure of the new board, there, there definitely is an appetite to try to attract younger, uh, innovative companies to, to list on the exchange. 
So, so is the exchange kind of muscling in on the uh, the venture capital world out there? I don't know, uh, but it certainly raises some questions. We've seen um, in Hong Kong because of the particularities of the laws that we have in Hong Kong, peer to peer payments and crowdfunding is only allowed if it does not involve the transfer of securities, or if it does allow securities being transferred, um, it cannot uh, allow retail investors to participate. Uh, It's a a consumer protection law. It's an older law, but it's been applied to to these newer technologies. Uh, As a result, the, the, there isn't, you don't have like uh, some of the big peer-to-peer lenders or crowdfunding activities that you have in the United States or the UK or China uh, in Hong Kong, what you have here is very limited. They do exist. There's a company called WeLab, which is effectively a crowdfunding platform, but it's restricted just to basically invited professional investors. So in that respect, yes, a, a fourth board or a tier for uh, professional investors only to access early stage companies associated with the new board at the Hong Kong Exchange would be playing in this field where you would end up having a, a, a bit of competition perhaps between the listed exchange going after some of these private crowdfunding peer-to-peer payment networks as possible. Got it. And um, you had mentioned the technology aspect. I mean, this is more than just loosening uh, their listing requirements. They're also talking about building in peer-to-peer technology into, into the uh, board. Is that right? As well as blockchain registration? Yes. So, and this is very exciting. Uh, they're interested in as they develop a new board, assuming that the new board gets the approvals uh, that it requires to, to actually get off the ground, they would like to have it uh, as as cutting edge as, as possible. Uh, and that would include, at the minimum, the share registration process could be done on blockchain. That means it would be decentralized, encrypted, uh, shared ledger of that keeps track of, of all permit, permitted parties can see every transaction, every share that would change hands. And uh, instead of having to have the, the clearinghouse do all that work, um, it, would, it, would be, it would be put on a blockchain. Uh, and the people at the Hong Kong exchanges and clearing are very aware that uh, other exchanges are already moving ahead with similar initiatives. Uh, there's a big one that's going on in Australia. Um, Singapore is also looking at this. And they've also seen a small, innovative uh, startup market in Korea called the Korea Startup Market, which is affiliated with their main board, which is also now uh, pioneering some of this stuff. So I think there's a real sense that they don't want to be left behind and that they want to support fintech and they want to support uh, innovation in their own capital markets. So they're keen to, if they do get a new initiative off the ground, they want to have this. The question is, what else could you do once you start putting these shares in a blockchain registration system? Uh, and right now, officially, um, the exchange says it's only for that and it wouldn't have anything to do with tr- the actual trading of these things. But once you create that system, it's very easy then to, it's very secure, in fact, to create an environment where those things can be traded among participants on that blockchain. Uh, and so uh, I, I think it's it would be the next obvious step. And this would attract new types of investors, perhaps, Um earlier stage investors, it could it could go into the venture world, or it could also attract all kinds of other people. Interesting. Now, I hope I didn't bury the lead here. You had an inside source 
at the exchange who gave you uh, a lot of this information. And then you went to have it confirmed. Was there a, a disconnect between the information that you got and and what they were, what would, what's being said officially at this point? Uh, the people that I spoke with are familiar with some of the discussions at the exchange a, a little bit. I think they're, um, what they're talking about is what they want to have happen, but it's not necessarily what will happen uh, because just because one person talks, tells me something doesn't mean that it's, it's official writ. I think it's more a, a taste or a flavor of the ambitions uh, and perhaps the anxieties going on. Uh, the, but officially, um, you know, there's the exchange will, will do what it can. And also we have to remember that this is uh, an initiative that I think is widely welcome in the Hong Kong marketplace. Uh, I think a lot of people would be excited about the prospect of a new board that can attract really good, innovative companies to list in Hong Kong. Um, but they still have to get a formal proposal off the ground. It's, there's going to be a consultation period and they need the blessing of the securities regulator before they can get anything going. So I think they have to be cautious about what they say officially because they can only go, you know, you can only uh, go so quickly um, and they need to make sure they've got full agreement internally and get their ducks all lined up. One last question. What does the SFC think of all of this? Well, I don't have an official response from the SFC, and it would be inappropriate for them to try to give me one because they haven't actually seen a proposal. Uh, so, of course, they're not in a position to, to comment on the proposal because it doesn't exist yet. But uh, I did sit down with um, uh, Benedict Nolans, who is uh, the head of, uh, of risk, at, uh, risk management at the SFC, and she's basically been appointed um, as their, their, their point person for matters related to fintech because the regulator is very keen to encourage fintech in Hong Kong and uh, they want to understand it and find ways to make sure it's promoted. Um, so when I did ask her about this uh, and you know she's not the person who would make uh, this decision because uh, that would be left to um, the, the executives above her. But her point was uh, not to say whether this is a good idea or a bad idea. Her point was simply, what is it that this is really trying to create? Um, is this a is this new board going to be a a slightly tweaked version of a what we would consider a traditional stock exchange in which it's open, multilateral, transparent, uh, and and provides all the the benefits of a healthy stock exchange? It provides the liquidity to these companies, which then facilitates those companies going out to the market on their own to fundraise again uh, in, in debt markets or other or other parts of the capital markets. Uh, it provides, you know, is it going to provide the kind of transparency, the track records, the disclosure, and ultimately, you know, create the confidence uh, that, that investors need? Um, at, or if we go down, uh, if we follow some of the logic of, say, this, this tiering system, do we end up with parts of this new board that are start to close themselves off to different market segments, become more private, more similar to an over-the-counter kind of environment, in which case, what is it then? Is it a stock exchange or is it basically a glorified crowdfunding uh, platform? And I don't think there's, you know, one is good or one is bad. I think it's just a question of they're going to want to know. I think, I think the regulars are going to want to have an idea about what is it that this new board is really supposed to be about. And I think this will be... Um, this will be a challenge for the Hong Kong exchanges to make sure they, they pitch it 
in a way that is seen as benefiting the capital markets, uh, safe for investors uh, and good for Hong Kong, which I think they can do, but uh, that'll be on them. Thanks, Jane. That's a great story with exclusive information from those inside the talks at the HKX, as well as some strong analysis. You can read the whole story on the Digfin website at www.digitalfinancemedia.com, along with a lot of other great enterprise reporting covering the development of fintech and technology funding in Hong Kong and throughout the region. Amazingly, the articles are free as long as you register. I'm Dave Swifler, and I'm proud to have had the chance to guest host the premiere episode of the Digital Finance Media Podcast. Tune in every week on the DigFin site, on iTunes, or wherever quality podcasts are distributed. If you have a problem or a question with anything we said on the podcast, please let us know. If you like it, tell your friends by leaving us a good review and sharing on social media. This is DigFin Vox. Thank you.